It's UFOs and the Unexplained. Tales of little silver men. Not your typical little green men. Have you ever heard the story of the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter of the Hopkinsville Goblins? From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. This is one that Bill brought to me, um, I guess it's been a couple months back. I personally, ironically, had never heard of this until I started getting into it. And then the details, it's like, oh yeah, I know that story. I just didn't know the details. The evening of Sunday, August 21st, 1955, at the home of the Sutton family in Kentucky, about eight miles north of a town called Hopkinsville. You'll see the sign for Hopkinsville if you're driving towards Nashville from here as you pass through Kentucky. Elmer also known as Lucky, and his wife, Vera, were visiting his mom, Glennie Lankford, uh, and his three younger half-siblings. They also had family friends, Billy Ray Taylor, and his wife, June, with them. I think all said and done, about 12 to 15 people in the house that night, counting, you know, adults and children. The story really begins about 7 o'clock, 7, 8 p.m., when Billy Ray goes out for a drink of water, pumps some water. Of course, the house had no running water at that point in time. They were, they were out in the country, out in the sticks. While Billy Ray's out there, he comes back with a crazy story. He's seen some lights out in the woods and uh, saw a disc-shaped craft. Now, the people in the home, of course, don't believe Billy Ray. They, they, they think he's making it up. So Billy Ray and Lucky go out, and they start to hear some noises. Uh, they see something glowing coming towards them through the woods. It's a small humanoid. Small humanoid creature, about three foot tall. Long arms, they end in claw-like hands. The thing kind of sways back and forth. Big eyes, big ears. The skin is... Silvery in color, or maybe wearing something metallic, they couldn't quite tell. The movement seemed to defy gravity. Floating off the ground, uh, almost, just kind of gliding along at them through the woods. So the creature pops up, uh, they go back in the house, and the creature pops up in the screen door. And they shoot at it, through the screen door. <laughs> Leave a hole in the screen. They said that when they hit it, it sounded like bullets being rattled in a metal drum or a bucket. They, they say they, they, they believe they hit it. They really do believe they hit it. They stepped out on the porch to see what happened to it when a clawed hand reached down from the awning over the porch to grab Billy Ray's hair. Of course, they jump back and they look up. The stuff of horror stories. Yes. And there's one of these little silver men perched on the roof. They shoot at that one, too. It rolls off the roof and disappears into the woods. Again, they believe they hit it, but no evidence that they injured it in any way. Creatures start to peer in the windows, peer in the doors, and they shoot at them every time they see them. The place is surrounded. Yeah. Place is surrounded. The roof, I mean, literally, I mean, at one point, the place is literally crawling with these things. They're on the roof. They're scratching around. They're scaring the children. May or may not have had alcohol involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. May or may not have been alcohol-fueled sighting. I would compare them to gremlins almost in a way. A lot friendlier looking, depending on which version of the picture you get. But yeah, they just kept popping up. They were a nuisance. They'd pop up in the windows and they'd shoot at them. They'd pop up in the doors and they'd shoot at them. They'd see them outside in the woods. At one point in time, they go outside and they see one up in an old elm tree. Uh, they take a shot at it. 
And of course, instead of falling out of the tree like it should have, it just kind of floated away after that. They held these creatures off with gunfire for what they say was nearly four hours. That's a heck of a fight. That's a heck of a fight. That's a lot of gunshots. And supposedly shot quite a few of them point-blank range. And and never found one injured, never found any evidence that they'd been injured, never found a dead one. Finally, about 11 p.m., they make the 30-minute drive into Hopkinsville proper to go to the Hopkinsville police station, where they report that they've been fighting off basically a small army, 12 to 15 of these little silver men all night long for, for hours. The residents, 20 officers, go back to the Sutton household with them. They say the residents did not seem to be underneath the influence of drugs and alcohol. The police did witness some strange lights in the sky, did hear some strange sounds, but never saw any of the Hopkinsville goblins anywhere. Uh, saw very quite a few bullet holes. Bullet holes in the screens, bullet holes in the windows, and hundreds of spent uh, shell casings. Littering the ground, littering the ground. Again, never saw any evidence of what they would call little green men. The police were there till about 12.15, at which point they left. After the police were gone, the goblins returned, harassed the, the homeowners, probably until about 4.45 is when they say they finally disappeared. And that's sort of the summation of the story. Now, there are, there are claims that the Hopkinsville goblins have returned here in recent years. Those stories, those. Those stories are, are a little different. I know one mentioned like uh, some old uh, mine shafts, and at night the Hopkinsville goblins, as they're claiming in some of the newer sightings, would crawl out of the, the mine shafts and stuff. But uh, the Hopkinsville Goblins, of course, creeped into the popular culture. One of the is documented in Project Blue Book as a UFO sighting. People use the term goblin. That's the the term that initially attracted me to the story. As a longtime D and D player, yeah. goblins and little creatures are fascinating. Same here. Same uh, here. In the movies, Gremlins and Critters, you can ins- you know Critters definitely seems to be inspired by a story like this. Yeah. It was inspiration for the Pokemon Sableye in the Pokemon games. Wow, I didn't know that. And Kelly now celebrates what they call Little Green Men Days on the third weekend of August every year. And see, what what I think is really interesting about this, a lot of interesting things, but the, the mention of Little Green Men, of course, nowhere in the original sighting did they mention that they were green. It was actually, if anything, they were silver-ish, maybe dressed in, in outfits. Well, if you, if you look at pictures of Little Green Men Days, they have people dressed up as... Little green men. And Little again, green men, yeah. They were supposedly yeah. silver in color. But of course, you got, like you said, this was one of the earliest uh, documented uh, sightings of UFOs and, and unexplained aliens, if you will. But the aliens was still a new term. Yeah. Uh, so goblins, I guess, would have kind of fit that, that mold. I started doing a little research after you told me about this story. And again, I didn't recognize it as Hopkinsville goblins. But uh, I definitely saw several references on TV shows and different things through the years, things I'd read. But uh, one of the things I found, and I thought this was kind of comical, but again, you got to consider this time frame. You're talking 1955. Somebody later on was like, well, what, what did they really see? Or, do you really believe this You know, yeah. kind of deal? And you've always got those people out there, the doubting Thomases, if you will. But there was a, a space program, apparently, going on at that time frame, and they had chimpanzees in astronaut suits that they had flown to space, I, I guess, doing some tests. See, I, I had not heard that. I, 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 I heard about one owls. reference. Horned owls. Yes, Horned that owls. was that was another one. Which, by the early sketch uh, they've got in the newspaper, which is a, a, a very early rendition, you can definitely see the pointy ears they're talking about is more goblin-like out of Dungeons & Dragons or whatever. These pointy ears are sticking directly up above their head. It does look like a horned owl's face. Uh, but webbed, kind of in between their hands, it's showing. But uh, 
where I was going was they were talking about these chimpanzees and, and maybe a rocket crashed with these poor chimpanzees dressed in, you know, rickety spacesuits and, well, and silver outfits. And it's not hard to look at that original drawing and, and think maybe maybe that's an escaped monkey. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, the poor monkeys, they've been in space and they come down and, and they talked about they kept trying to get into the house. They were looking in the windows and one of them reached down and grabbed the one guy's hair. How creepy would that be in the yeah. middle of the night? But, uh, I mean, hey, a chimpanzee would want to come in the house. and and But as you mentioned, the cops and stuff, when they came out, they said they didn't find any tracks. And I think, how weird is that? I mean, now you mentioned that they were floating yeah. and stuff. So, you know, maybe they weren't. But obviously, if it had been a chimpanzee or, or something, you would, you would think there would be tracks. Well, and, and, you know, a good counter-argument for that, of course, is they were out there at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's dark. Even with flashlights, you might you might not see tracks. Yeah, true, true. And you know, I mean, again, I would assume these people are you know they're out in the country. They're probably hunters. You know, it's kind of a rural community, but you know, maybe maybe they just didn't find it. Now, another thing I found kind of obscure in some of the research I did, um, it, it was contradictory to what a lot of the other sites and references said that one of the officers found some green blood that was on a fence post or a wooden fence or, I think or something I, I, along that. I did that. see that kind of a luminescent. Yeah, it was like a luminescent green. glowing kind of green. So that adds kind of a little different yeah. twist to things. But I, I would think, again, rural Kentuckians, uh, obviously probably avid hunters, would recognize a horned owl or a group of horned owls. You would think, but uh, I think we've, we've talked about this before. If you go online and then you search for like adolescent owls, there's a picture of a bunch of them huddled up in an attic all together. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, that picture is... I can understand why somebody might mistake those for aliens in the attic. That's the know? stuff of nightmares <laughs> right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, very interesting. I Again, I had never really heard it. I've drove through that area several times, but I know the next time I'm definitely going to take a little side route and do a little bit more investigation. I, I don't remember which interstate it is, but like I said, if you drive from here to Nashville, you'll actually pass a sign for Hopkinsville in Kentucky. And for years, I, I didn't put one and one together with that one. I, I've been fascinated with the, the Hopkinsville story. Again, let, let's say as long as I, first time I ever read about it in an unexplained book. But again, I didn't even think about it. Because I, I always saw it listed as Kelly Hopkinsville. I didn't realize that those were actually two separate towns. Huh, interesting. I Again, I was kind of doing some research. I'm reading over some of my notes here. And, and it was funny, some of the newspaper captions that came out. Um, first off, I mean, this just kind of launched the whole alien uh, encounters. There were several copycats almost immediately, uh, still following to this day as we as we touched upon. But in one of the newspaper articles, I, I gotta kind of read this out. I thought this was funny. This, of course, was they were talking about the the political stance in 1955, and um, they were using the reference to these goblins that it was part of the Senate GOP policy committee, <laughs> and they were simply green with envy. And that they had come try to call upon these local hillbillies out here in, in Kentucky at the time. But yeah, that was the green aliens as they were green with envy at the popularity of President uh, Dwight Eisenhower at the time. <laughs> I'm like, really? You put that in the newspaper post? Well, that seems a little weird. <laughs> I guess uh, I guess if anything, politics and, and the like just don't change. They're always going to spin it in their own way, right? Yeah, everybody's got to spin. they got to put on everything. There was another uh, sighting that they tried to link to it. Now, this sounded totally different to me, but... Uh, this was, I want to say, eight, maybe ten years later. There was a gentleman by the name of Darwin Johnson. Uh, he had previously reported that while he was swimming in the Ohio River near Dogtown, 
that uh, he was pulled underwater by a lizard man. I uh, described some of the webbed fingers that we talked about that appears on the original newspaper sketch. And he tried to kind of tie that back to, you know, some of the Hopkins goblins have apparently went underwater and that's where they're hiding. When I was researching, when I was doing my research, I did stumble across that story, but I wasn't sure it was related enough for me to, to tack that on there. That, that sounds a little bit more like the creature from the Black Lagoon <laughs> or something, or yeah. from the Ohio Lagoon. Lizard bit and reptile bit might be an entirely different episode. Definitely, somewhere down the line. definitely. But just goes to show you that you know when somebody comes out there with something, there's there's always going to be people copycatting and following and and loosely trying to grab together tidbits and tie them together. Uh, but as we also mentioned, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but there's a lot of relatively like in the last five years. Uh, that's still kind of a hot spot down there, and a lot of people claim that these goblins are still alive and well. Well, anyone interested in pursuing that further, there's actually a show on Amazon called Hellier. I don't want to advertise for anything, obviously, but it sort of delves into what you could call the continuation of the Kelly Hopkinsville story. And and it wasn't anything that I, I wanted to attach here. I I wanted to focus on the original encounter. I have always found that to be a fascinating little story. Like I said, I compared it to gremlins or critters or something like that. Absolutely. These little, these little non-green silver, men. Yeah, these little silver <laughs> men crawling all over the house, terrorizing this family all night long. Them just shooting at them, whether it was alcohol related or not. There was a reference to a Sutton, and of course, yeah. popcorn <laughs> Sutton uh, was a famous moonshiner in that area. I, I, I think truly, I mean, what happened, we may never truly know, but. The I saw some interviews with some of the young girls, uh, like in the last couple of years as grown-up uh, women, and they were talking about the experience. Whatever it was, it truly changed their lives. Uh, the one young girl, now an adult, uh, was talking about that. You know, a lot of the area shunned them. You know, pulled their farm and their family name kind of down into the mud. And but she was very avid that she remembers it well. And, you know, she said it was the scariest time that, that they have ever had in their entire life. Obviously, they spent many, many rounds, three to four hours in some type of a, a gunfight. They truly believed their, their lives were in yeah. danger, their house was in danger, trying to protect the family, as any of us would do. You know, so, again, not saying it's true, not saying it's false. That's for you guys to decide. But we just want to bring these type stories to you and share a little of information, and there's plenty out on the internet, t- different TV shows and stuff that you can pursue a little bit more. Yeah, whatever, whatever happened that night uh, outside of Hopkinsville on that farm, that family legitimately believed that they were beset by these little silver men. And again, what really happened that night, we, we don't know. We weren't there. But that's, that's what this podcast is all about. We just wanted to tell that story. Well, this is just uh, one of the nightmares on the Lost Highways. I would like to thank uh, Alex Tudor, who has been helping us uh, a lot uh, with our endeavors on this podcast. You can call him our producer at this point, I think. Our producer, electronic recording technician. Uh, um, he's uh, the one that's setting up all the mics and the hardware in the background. And then Bill Weirs is going through taking his time to try to clean and edit this up and uh, give us the best possible version that we can present to you folks. want to thank everybody involved with that. Also, would like to say, if you're interested in uh, taking a listen to our local band, Phantom Sam, who has provided our uh, Nightmares on the Lost Highway theme song, if you will, 
Uh, we will be sharing a link on our Facebook page. Uh, if you would love to go check out their unique sound, they've got some wonderful stuff going on. So we appreciate our support for us. Um, and also we would appreciate support for them as well. Thank you very much.